What is the piece of media that you consumed as a kid that changed your view of the world? For me, it's hard to choose just one, but I remember watching the Royal Tenenbaums when I was 10 years old. My parents had just divorced and my mom moved into this new house where I could sneak downstairs at night and watch TV, which of course involved standing right in front of the TV with one hand on the off button and the volume turned down to three. Much of the Royal Tenenbaums went over my head, but I saw for the first time that I can remember a story that showed how some adults act like kids forever, and sometimes it's okay to not be okay. During this moment in my life where everything felt like it was falling apart around me, the movie made me feel seen. Welcome to the No Film School podcast. My name is Gigi Hawkins, and this week we speak with Kelly Fremont Craig, the writer and director who had the task of taking the piece of media that had, I would argue, the greatest impact across the most generations, written by the beloved Judy Bloom, and adopting that piece of media for the screen. It's a book. You may have seen it in your school library, and you may have read it with a flashlight under your covers, or maybe this is the first time you're hearing about it. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Kelly Freeman Craig's second feature, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, stars Rachel McAdams, Abby Ryder Fortson, Benny Sadafi, and Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates being the ultimate glamour, the term that we all should be using more often. An adaption of Judy Bloom's classic and groundbreaking novel, The film is a timeless coming-of-age story with insightful humor and a candid exploration of life's biggest questions. 11-year-old Margaret, played by Abby Ryder Fortson, is uprooted from her life in New York City for the suburbs of New Jersey and going through the messy and tumultuous throes of puberty with new friends and a new school. She relies on her mother, Barbara, played by Rachel McAdams, who is also struggling to adjust to the outside life of the big city, and her adoring grandmother, Sylvia, the aforementioned glamour, played by Kathy Bates, who isn't happy that they moved away and likes to remind them of that every chance she gets. I had the pleasure of seeing the film with No Film School writer Alyssa Miller, and we both are in consensus. This is a wonderful film. So without further ado, here's my interview with Kelly Freeman Craig. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. I'm here to speak to you today about your changing body. The blood is released through the vagina. Please do this one thing for me. Just be normal and regular like everybody else. Just please, 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 please. Welcome, Kelly Freeman Craig, to the No Film School podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. First question, did you go to film school? No, I did not go to film school. In fact, I don't even think they had a film school at uh, the college I went to. I went to UC Irvine, and I was an English major. So yeah, no, film was really, I really, really come to film as a writer, a screenwriter. I I, I sort of think of myself as a writer first and then a director or a writer who directs, you know, 
Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like they go hand in hand, especially if you have a very specific story that you want to tell that maybe we haven't seen before or, you know, there's only a few and far between examples. Yeah, I I mean, I the way I experience it is they feel like two halves of a whole for me. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? They they're they're very they very much go together. Well, I felt like something else came together to me for me watching this film. I was reading in the Times this morning that you described filming the movie was like some sort of release around shame and embarrassment. Yes. And I felt that also as a viewer. Um, mm. And I felt relief at the same time that this movie is out there for girls now and people yeah. moving forward because it speaks to this like very scary and isolating experience. But I also felt relief for my younger self, which was a strange experience. But I was like, oh, this is, it felt yeah. there was like some closure. So I'm curious when you first were like, this project is happening, how did you approach bringing a story to the screen that has, that you knew so many girls and women and people would be coming to at all stages of their life? It's a lot of pressure. Yeah, it is. It is totally a lot of pressure. And I'm also such a big Judy Bloom fan and I know how people feel about her and this book. So I, I, so I felt really just like such a big responsibility to her and to the material and to, and, you know, to, to do right by her. So in the beginning, honestly, there was, I felt such a crushing pressure not to screw it up, you know? So, um, so there was really a period of having to release that and find ways to release it and sort of just get all the people in my head out of my head, you know? Mm-hmm. Cause I, I really think the worst place to create from is that place of self-consciousness when you're, yeah. when you're imagining yourself being watched, you know what I mean? You can't like, you cannot write from that place. Every time I do, I feel like I type, I type one word, you know, and then I delete it. You know, uh-huh. it's almost, it's almost like I, I, I have like such a, uh, complicated relationship with social media. Like I have raging social media anxiety. And I feel like that's part of why I just, everything I type, I'm like, ah, cause I just imagine everybody, I don't know, you know? So there's something about that that I just think is antithetical to the creative process. I think mm-hmm. you have to kind of, you have to clear everyone out of the room and just let it be you and the work, you know? And that, yeah. that I find is a, a process and sometimes takes takes it takes a second to just sort of like get over get over the jitters do you have any tools or sort of like habits that you do at Mm -hmm. the beginning of either writing or as you're sort of like sometimes I feel like it takes weeks to get into that creative flow unlearning a bunch of stuff but how did Mm -hmm. how were you able to create that space I, you know, I do too. I find that it takes me, it takes me a while to get into that groove. Like I'm always waiting for that moment when I've stopped like pushing the rock up the hill and it starts to go down the other way and then I'm Mm -hmm. chasing it. And there's always that moment in a creative project when I get there. And prior to getting there, I think, I don't know if I'm ever going to get there, you know? (laughs) And then when I do, it's such a relief because then it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's like, it's just, you know, again, I'm running after it rather than trying to like force it up a hill. So, you know, I think a a couple of tricks, I think 
Number one, I've realized that struggling and, and just having that experience where you're like, oh God, you know, all the fear, all the emotions, all the, oh, I think I'm going to screw this up. I've realized that is just part of the process. Like it doesn't mean you're a bad writer. And Mm -hmm. when I first started, when I first started writing, I had so many emotions about writing and about whether I was a good writer or good enough, you know, like I, I felt so, I don't know. I felt so many complicated things about it. And I thought to myself that the fact that I was so, um, I was so sort of like, I I was in knots over Mm -hmm. the process. I thought that meant I was not good at it. I thought that's meant I was, I was a bad writer because I felt like good writers write easily and they just sit down and they just type and they just come to them and they just have a wonderful time. And yeah. And, and I, I romanticized every other writer's life and I was positive they were having a better time than I was, um, and an easier time. And they didn't hate themselves through the whole process in the way that I do. But now I've realized like, that's not true. That's not Mm -hmm. true. Like it, it is a very emotional and vulnerable process to put yourself out there and that's okay. It doesn't mean you suck. It means you care and it's mm-hmm. good to care, you know? And that's actually one wonderful thing that Jim Brooks taught me. Like, you know, in, in moments where I would be struggling, he would say, this is righteous. This is mm-hmm. a righteous thing to struggle over. And I loved that he said that because, because what I take it to mean is it's hard it is hard and it's okay that it's hard because some things are hard to do, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's not you, it's, it's, this process is hard. So wrapping my arms around that and accepting it has honestly been a, a big, uh, you know, a, a big help. It, it's very refreshing to hear that even somebody as accomplished as you still can feel that because, oh yeah, um, <laughs> because that as emerging writers, we often just stop before we let ourselves go to get to the point where the the boulder is rolling down the hill. Yes. And it yes. takes even longer when you're starting out to get there. But it, sitting in that discomfort is so important. It's also yes. sounds a lot like puberty, the yes. whole process. <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm so I gravitate towards puberty. I'm like, because I feel it all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you yeah. also treat it what what I loved about this uh, about this film in particular was the the tone of it and how you treated it with such respect in the way that mm. it sounds like Jim Brooks was like respecting the process of yes, writing yeah. and I want to talk about how you were able to create the tone of the film which is sharp and witty and entertaining and moving and I'm a woman in my 30s and I was like engaged at that but I'm like, this is something that also a 13-year-old and even younger mm-hmm. can watch. So what was the process of finding the balance to reach mm. such a span of an audience? Oh, uh, well, first of all, I feel like, you know, it's, so much of it is a credit to Judy Bloom. You know, the fact that she wrote this story that is so lasting and so timeless. And I think she just, she told the truth. Mm-hmm. She told it in a very specific way. She included all the embarrassing details, which I think is a big deal. I think to just say the things we don't say out loud, you know, 
So, so a lot of it is, you know, a lot of it is working with incredibly great source material, but, you know, I also, I don't know, in a lot of ways, I guess I'm trying to do, I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to do what the people that I admire do, which is to really render the truth of an experience, really like try to capture it as honestly as humanly possible. So, um, yeah, the, the, those are the writers that I admire, the writers and directors that I admire the most. Yeah, that that respect for the story also feels, again, like a respect and an acknowledgement for like everyone's individual experiences because maybe we had a Nancy first period, like a Nancy Wheeler moment. Yes. Uh, but we really wanted a, you know, different experience that I'm not going to spoil what happened. And like, I actually found myself crying during that latter experience because I was like, oh, I had a Nancy Wheeler and I felt super alone and scared and isolated and and ashamed. And I was like, oh, I'm so, again, like giving my younger, my sixth grade self a big hug through watching it. And again, it was just like so cathartic. Yes. Um, So thank you. Yeah. Um, No, totally. I... Yeah, I, 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 I do think we all, we all, you know, have such individual experiences around this period of our life and so many different complicated feelings about how, Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to how we feel about it, you know, or how it was treated by the adults in our life, you know, and I love that. um, I feel like Judy Bloom has done such a wonderful job of like capturing the full scope of that. Yeah. You also brought it to screen in such a powerful way through your casting of characters. Mm. Like you, you cast children and adults and teens and preteens and adults. Talk to me a little bit about casting kids and, and preteens and casting for their chemistry because the chemistry across the board is so great. So when I work with actors and especially kid actors, I love to have them improvise. So a lot of it is that it's, um, and I do it in the auditions and I do it on set constantly. I get the lines, mm-hmm. but then I have them play and I, and very, and very often I say, okay, uh, that's your monologue, but now you can't say any of those words and just tell a story, you know? And what I'm looking for are just those little, those little sort of, messy real gems you know mm-hmm. what i mean like i i i also think i think the way people talk is messy and stuttery and they talk over each other and that that makes me feel like oh i'm seeing something real you know mm-hmm. and i also think wonderful little nuanced things come out of everybody just having to be alive and present in the scene because they don't know what the person opposite them is going to say or do. So it just requires everybody to, to really be there, to really mm-hmm. be in their body and, uh, and be in their character. So it's a lot of that. It's, it's a lot of that. And I, I mean, there are things, for instance, in the movie, when, when the girls look at the, uh, the anatomy book and the, the drawing of the penis, uh-huh. the, I basically opened the book and set the camera up and said, just react. Just say whatever you think when you see this picture. <laughs> so there was so, that, just letting this, letting them oh, unfold and be 
kid. Oh, no, that was it. I mean, every what you see them say is what they really said when they saw that picture for the first time. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> love that. Scene. Yeah. <laughs> That's so great. So there's obviously this like group chemistry that happens when you're filming like the four girls, for example, the club. And, but what about when you were working with Abby writer Mm -hmm. Fortson, uh, who Mm -hmm. plays Margaret, she brings this, she is so compelling to watch. Mm -hmm. And, and I think it may be, tell me if this is true, like sometimes just setting it up and letting her do her thing. But talk to me about the difference of, you know, letting her do her thing, but also when you needed to direct her towards a very specific story moment, if that makes sense. Yeah. And and I will say like, even when I'm, when I'm encouraging them to improvise, I'm, you know, I'm not just like leaving them out there to dry, you know, yeah, like I, yeah. I'm throwing, I'm throwing them ideas, you know what I mean? So they have something to play or they may pitch an idea. You know what I mean? We're all, we're all sort of, you know, we're all, I, I love, I love creating a set, an atmosphere on set where everybody feels safe to mm-hmm. try even their wildest ideas or bad ideas. And I say, I'm going to throw every idea out there. Some of them are going to be terrible. That's okay. Like, let's all have the freedom to, you know, to play play and to create, you know what I mean? I think that's, that's, that's what I want to be given that freedom, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that, I I think that's a big deal. But um, with Abby, there were a ton of conversations because she is such an interior character, you know, very often she's not saying anything, but she's thinking and feeling a lot of things, mm-hmm. you know? And so all of it had to come through her eyes. And, and that's a big part of why, why we cast her because in that first audition, she was able to convey so much and such a depth and a vulnerability and so many different emotions through her, through her expressions that it just, knocked me over. And so very often it would just be a conversation mm-hmm. about what she's feeling. And then, and then she would do that, you know, um, wow. which is such a credit to her because, you know, she's so young, but was able to have these very complicated, sometimes emotional conversations and get it. I think it's also a credit to her, both her parents are actors. And so I think she's used to working that way and speaking in that language. So I think that probably had a part, uh, you know, a part to play in it. I, uh, I mean, her performance is just fantastic and she she's is such so a, good. she's so good. I'm um, so I, impressed by her. Yeah. I, I bet were you just proud all, all the time yes, of like I everyone. Oh. I really was. Yeah. I really did feel like just like a proud mom and impressed, you know, beyond proud, just impressed. And yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, one of the things I'd love to talk about is one particular scene, which is the scene where Margaret comes back from summer camp, which looks like a blast and made me want to go back to summer camp. (laughs) And um, she arrives in her apartment and she sees her her dad, her grandma, and her mom, and she sees some boxes in the apartment. Yes. And Uh we'll play a clip of audio of it. Our editor will insert it right here. That was camp. It was amazing. So you were in a play? Yep. Oh my God, hey, incredible. What are those boxes for? Don't worry about that. I want to hear more about camp. What else you learned? What else did you do? You're moving. What? Really, Mom? Sylvia. Oh, wow. You promised. We're moving? 
Look, it's look, she saw we the boxes. Yeah, we, she was putting it together. I don't well, think she was. We're moving. Okay, just. We, look, we wanted you to settle in before we sprung the news, but um, your dad got his promotion. Yeah, isn't that great? And we found this great house. Oh, the best Where? house. The best house. Well, that's the thing. We we got really lucky. New and Jersey. Ah. Oh. New Jersey. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh. Um. So talk to me about setting up and executing and blocking this scene. Yes. It's a, you know, the biggest turn, the first big mm-hmm. turn for Margaret. Well, first of all, um, this was a scene that I wrote and rewrote many times because it is, it is the sort of the first, the first big moment that ushers in the whole movie, um, the whole story of the movie. So getting it right and getting the pacing of it right was, was something that, that I worked at and went back to, to, to try to mold. And then when it came to blocking it, so what I do is I go to the location prior and where I'm the only person there and I stand in every actor's place and I, I'm every actor and I, and I think about where they are and what they want to do. And I stand there and I think, where do I want to go? Like, what, what do I want to do? Do I want to sit? Do I want to stand? Do I want to get out of here? I, so it's a very like, feeling based everything. And then, and I block it that way. Um, and then I think, where am I going to put the camera, you know, <laughs> and stuff like that. And then once I have that down, I, I brought the actors to this, to the space and I said, okay, here's how it's going to be blocked. But I, but I also say, here's what I feel instinctively I want to do mm-hmm. when I'm when I stand in your place, does that feel like what you want to do? Because I think, because they're the actor, I want them to feel like this is, this is naturally where I want to go or what I want to do in this moment. So I'm very much a, like a mm-hmm. specific question um, mm-hmm. about that moment with the actors. Are you standing yeah. like, for example, Kathy Bates is standing mm-hmm. a back and she's hold, withholding yes. information from Margaret. Yes. The fact that they're moving to New Jersey. So do you s- turn to, Kathy and say, like standing in where she would be and say, like, I feel like she'd be like this, standing like this and say the line like this without like feeding their lines. Are you getting that into the weeds? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm like, for instance, in that instance, I, I, I said to Kathy, you know, they've just been dragging this heavy trunk up the stairs, you know, so she's hot. So my thought was she goes over here and she grabs something to fan herself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, oh, she's overhearing what's happening and she has a lot of feelings about what's happening and she's held her tongue this whole time, mm-hmm. but now it's getting harder, you know, and she just can't help it. She has to blurt it out. And I knew that I wanted her to blurt it out right as Rachel was coming back into the room so that she could sort of like stop short and be right next to her, like, you know, yeah. to be like, Excuse me? Yeah. So timing the, you know, timing exactly when Barb comes out, that was a, so getting like the choreography of it was, mm-hmm. yeah, um, was part of it, was part of that process. And then there's this uh, shot in particular that happens towards the end of the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's where we have dad and mom uh-huh. in, the, in the foreground and, Ray, and Margaret in the middle of them. And there's, uh-huh. she's sort of like flanked and they are big human adults. And she's this yes. little person <laughs> being like, we're moving. Like, yes. what does this mean? My w- life is tra- upside down. And yeah. so was that something that you knew you wanted to 
end on from like a frame perspective or was that more of like an organic, the blocking led to that moment? Because that was like a particular shot that really stuck out to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I liked her. I, I liked feeling her flanked by their bodies. And I liked actually that in, in the, there's like a moment where Benny sort of like leans in and he almost like obscures her. And there's a, it feels, I like the messiness of it. Yeah. I like how small she is. And I like how she sort of like almost disappears in the frame. And yeah, I, I in general like that kind of that fly on the wall um, style of shooting where you feel, um, you feel like you're, you're eavesdropping, you know, mm-hmm. and you don't always get the full picture, you know, when you're eavesdropping, you're like, you almost miss a word or you, you know what I mean? <laughs> that that yeah. sort of feeling. Yeah. Oh, I love, I, I love that as a way that you describe the style because, you know, we do get into Margaret's head, but obviously we can hear her, but like, mm-hmm. sometimes it does feel like we, we are a fly on the wall and there's almost like this protected voyeurism Mm-hmm. Uh, where we're letting her have her time to explore these things and we're with yeah. her, but we're not like intruding on her or. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was especially when delving into the more intimate moments, like mm-hmm. that was um, that, that was important figuring out how to, you know, figuring out how to shoot those things. And very often it was, it was so interesting because even just shooting Margaret from behind when she tries on the bra for the first time, even going like one inch lower down her back felt like, whoop, nope, 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 too much, too much, yeah. you know, like, I'm, let's get real close. Um, it was so, but you could feel it. You could feel yeah. every time where it was like, oh, too much, too much, you know, um, and wanting to just always make it feel intimate without feeling like it crossed some line some or something, line. you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, this is uh, your second feature, which mm-hmm. again, I'm like, can't believe you haven't made 10. This It's so <laughs> like, so just complete and full in a movie mm-hmm. movie. T- what learnings did you take from your first feature, The Edge of 17, into this second feature? Well, um, I have to say one of the things that I learned on The Edge of 17 and that actually Jim Brooks taught me is to really get choices when you're shooting. So there's the way that you think you want everybody to say things, but then you don't actually know what you're going to need in the editing room. So get a lot of different things. It's the character says it and they're angry, but maybe another time they say it and it's just, it's flat. It's like all the emotion is taken out of it or it's, or it's her or what, like I get a lot of different things because you really want to be able to shape it when you get into the editing room and right. every single different version is, is a different tool in your tool belt. Mm-hmm. And you don't know until you put up the whole movie where you're going to need a little more of this or a little less of that or whatever. So yeah. you need, you don't, what you don't want to do is you don't want to see six takes of the same exact everything because why get six takes of it? Right. Um, I also find this to be really, really helpful when working uh, with actors because, because I'm never saying I'm never, it's never, Oh, that wasn't quite right. Let's do it again. It's always, let's get a different choice. You know, we got that. That's great. Let's try this other thing. Now let's try this other thing over here. You know? 
So it always feels like we're, we're playing around instead mm-hmm. of, no, you didn't do it the way I had it in my head. Keep trying, you know, <laughs> yeah. which is, which is so it's already like, it's so tough and vulnerable to be an actor. And, and I, like, I would hate to work that way. Um, so I, you know, I, I, I don't want anyone else to have to work that way. And also I don't know. I mean, you don't know until you get in the edit, right. What you, what you need and want, you know, it, when you're shooting, would you say that you're doing at least six takes per setup? At, at least, at least. And, and oftentimes many more with the kids, with the kids, especially I do tons and tons and tons of takes because I like to encourage them to improvise. Sometimes, you know, things go completely off the rails and yeah. if there's 5%. It's like the 5% that's in there. You're like, Ooh, there's a nugget. And so what I do when I get into the editing room is I look at all those takes and I'm watching them all over and I'm pulling out the nuggets. I'm like, Ooh, that that's just such a beautiful little, uh, nuanced look or yeah. whatever. And I grab it and I put it in a bin and I put it in a, and I grab all of them together. And then the editor starts to assemble it with those gems, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and so I feel like it's treasure. It's treasure hunting. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. On set. You're just, mm-hmm. You're just looking for little tiny, you know, little diamonds. I love that. That's such good Mm -hmm. advice, uh, especially because I think er early on in our careers, we're rushing and we're like, "Uh, sure, I got it. And then, but that the canvas is so critical. And I know we're we're wrapping up here and I have one final question for you. Okay, great. I think the why now of this movie is absolutely apparent. Like we're seeing... Mm -hmm children starting puberty earlier. We're seeing legislation that's currently in our country. That's like trying to ban the talk of periods and limit sex education. It's absolutely, it's, it's a really weird, scary time. Um, yeah. What conversations do you hope this film will spark? Well, first of all, I hope it's a, an antidote to all of that absurdity. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but I also really, my fantasy has always been that people watch this and they relate and then they go and they tell their own stories to each other. Like they, like that's, that's, a, that's what we see in the screenings is like, you know, the credits roll and then people walking out of theaters are like, remember this? And I did this. And do you yes. remember what mom said, you know? So there's this like bonding experience that happens after. And there's also, I don't know, there's something to me about when I'm, talking about those experiences that it, it does, it releases an embarrassment around yeah. it that I think it is really, it. it normalizes it and normalizes it. And it's also connecting, you know, mm-hmm. it's also bonding the, the experience. So, um, I, that's my, that's my fantasy. So I, it, that actually happened after the screening, I went into the bathroom and there were two women talking in different stalls, sharing their experiences. <laughs> so yes. it is, it is done. It is done. Well, thank you so much, Kelly Freeman Craig oh, for joining us and for so making much. this film. It was so thank wonderful. Thank you for the great questions too. Oh, so, so good to talk pleasure. to you. You as well. Yeah. Thank you so much, Kelly, for joining us and for your candid conversation about your experience creating this story and bringing it to the screen. 
I love being able to break down the blocking of the scene and also learn about how Kelly brings connection to talent and actors. I think this is so critical, especially as emerging filmmakers. I think we often find ourselves working with non-actors or child actors who have less experience. There is power in finding the magic of a performance by letting it breathe and finding that original spark. The film hits theaters on April 28th, 2023, this weekend that this episode is dropping. So I hope you take the time to come see it in theaters or stream it if you're listening to this later. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. You can like, rate, and subscribe to No Film School podcast uh, across any platforms. You can also email us your questions at podcasts at nofilmschool.com. And you can learn more about filmmaking, writing, crafting story, directing talent, anything you can think of at nofilmschool.com. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.